0: Giant Podcast. Along with Andy Makowitz, I'm Adam Armbrecht once again coming to you with all things New York Football Giants. And as we take a look back at what was a disappointing game against the New England Patriots and eventually ahead at the upcoming Week 7 matchup with the Arizona Cardinals, first things first, Andy, big big news in the Makowitz household. What's the update?
1: Well, Adam, on Thursday night, wow said Giants were playing against the New England Patriots in Foxborough, I was in the hospital delivery room. And uh, right as the third quarter was starting, I had the Giants on my iPad and was watching because uh, things were not progressing very quickly uh, in terms of my (laughs) life getting
0: (laughs) hurt. Like that you have it down to exactly the time frame where you were in the game when you were also starting your family.
1: Well, well, you know, the Giants make an interception. Uh, and and all of a sudden, my wife is like, oh, the Giants had a pick. I heard it on your iPad. It went from that to me looking up and the doctor saying, okay, we're going to start pushing right now. And I was like, <laughs> well, maybe I should probably put down the iPad and and go over and make sure that my wife is okay. So, uh Baby Makoitz, Rory J w- was born uh, early Friday morning at 1.30 in the morning, um, and he decided to come out a little bit later so he wouldn't watch watch the debacle that was the second half for the Giants.
0: Smart thinking. Give me give me the stat line on the little fella. Let's call it the you know the baby combine, as it were. What are we looking at? Weight height and uh do we have any prospects in terms of hand size does he look like he's going to be a 40 yard you know high-end speed kid or are we thinking more possession receiver defensive end i don't mean you know what are we looking at with this guy
1: adam he's eight pounds 10 ounces which is a relatively large larger baby mm-hmm. but he carries it well because he came out at a staggering 22 and a half inches long Good which Lord. is huge which yeah. Bless my wife's heart and her ability to deliver the baby. She was a rock star. But Adam, he's got hands the size of tennis rackets. I'm trying to figure out already what sports we can get, in, get him into. And, you know, a tight end sounds a end, like yeah. a, a pretty good spot for him to be in.
0: Listen, as we always say, big white guys with solid hands, you're going to want to look at a tight end position in the NFL. On behalf of, I'll say, everyone here at the one giant podcast that includes myself, Adam Armbrecht, my co-host, Andy Makowitz, the producer, Adam Armbrecht, the statistician, Andy Makowitz, and just the whole team here, really. Just nothing but love and joy for you you and Kelly. I know I spoke to you guys off podcast and expressed that, but it's awesome, man. And I can't wait. As everybody knows, I'm, I'm struggling in Indonesia right now. But when Courtney and I get back stateside, we're, we're just really excited to come over and, and get to meet Rory and just have a little bit of a celebration with you guys. So just happy to hear everyone everyone is healthy and comfortable at home and that the Giants have a future prospect.
1: Uh, I'm excited uh, about the new uh, member of our family, and I'm excited that he didn't have to witness uh, the game on Thursday night and excited that his first game on Sunday is going to be against the Cardinals.
0: That's fantastic, man, and you hit both the points. We're going to go ahead and dive in on the Patriots matchup that happened last Thursday night, and then take a look ahead to the Arizona Cardinals here in week seven. One giant opportunity. So, Andy, we take a look back at the Thursday night matchup with the New England Patriots, and obviously everybody knows you had some other things going on on Thursday night, and it's a happy distraction to have had, because (laughs) this one was pretty rough, and I want to kind of feather this from the week prior a little bit. We're going to go broad stroke on this game for the most part. But when we talked about that Minnesota Vikings game, I had a bit, of a, a bit of an issue, we'll say, with the way the offense was working and the way they were kind of wasting some of the opportunities the defense gave them. And this game, in a lot of ways, was very similar, right? A strong defensive showing early and really the offense just struggling throughout and unable to make a game out of this late in the fourth quarter when they were still within a touchdown.
1: You know, you, you look in the first quarter of the game and the and the defense is doing everything they can. There's a um you know, the Patriots come out and they uh turn it over on downs. The the Giants couldn't get much going on. They they traded interceptions and it looks like the Giants are kinda of settling in and then uh that, that unfortunate and terrible block punt for a touchdown kinda of changed the game and when you're playing a defense as stout as the Patriot defense, uh, you can't be spotting them any special team points at them.
0: No. And, you know, Nate Stuper. Probably, we probably would touch on this in our update segment, but he gets, he gets released as the Giants make some moves, and we will get into that more. And that's one of those players, and it's such a footnote, but when you are on special teams and that is your you know, bread and butter as far as what you contribute, getting hit in the back of the helmet with a punt, probably not the best thing in the world. Now, from the game standpoint, we talked about this, you know, Marcus Golden, a player that we looked at in weeks prior, and we're kind of saying we wanted to see something from him the last couple of weeks. He really has come on strong for this team. Seems like he's getting into rhythm coming off an injury. When he joined the giants, he ends up recovering what was the Lorenzo Carter strip fumble, a strip sack on Tom Brady that goes back for a touchdown. And to your point, this defense is fighting. This defense is working and, you know, time and time again, the offense you know, I had it in my notes. You, some of the play calling in this one, again, where you you roll Jones out to give him time to extend the play, but as you roll him to sidelines, it actually starts to make it harder for him to be able to utilize the entire field. He makes a number of mistakes in this one, and it leads to turnovers and, and doesn't really allow the Giants to get any traction offensively.
1: When when you cut the field in half for a defense like the Patriots, and you have someone like Gilmore on the outside, that's a shutdown corner you know, it it makes it near impossible for, for Daniel Jones to play well. And, you know, he looked like a rookie out there. He, he threw for 161 yards, had three picks, had a passer rating, a quarterback rating of 35.2, which is not great <laughs> to say the <laughs> least. His QBR was in the single digits. Um, and, you know, the, the question I have for you is do you think – Um, this is a little bit of of a regression for Daniel Jones, or do you chuck it up a short week on the road against arguably one of the top three defenses in the league?
0: Yeah, I look at this as more being, you know, lightning in a bottle when you started Jones against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You follow that up with a game against the Washington Redskins. They're obviously a team that's, you know, struggling in all facets of the game. So he gets two matchups that really, and if you look back at Tampa Bay now, their defense does not look as strong as it did early in the year. So there's probably two more favorable matchups. Now the last two weeks going up against two of the stronger defenses in the league, I don't think it's necessarily a regression. I, I think this is just what happens with rookie quarterbacks, rookie players in general. They, they can show you flashes of what they can be, over what they can grow into, and then they can also show you that, yeah, I'm still learning the system or I'm still learning how quick the defenses can be in a quarterback's uh, situation. So I would expect over the next handful of games that you're going to kind of see the balancing out of, of what Daniel Jones is and more of a steady progression in growth. The thing that I will say, and maybe throw it back to you, when you look at this Patriots game again, it's hard to be too judgmental because they're missing so many weapons. No Sterling Shepard, no Evan Ingram, no uh, Saquon Barkley, no Wayne Gallman. So from an offensive standpoint, I know that they were very limited in weapons. But do you look at some of the play calling and, again, just question what Pat Shermer's plan of attack here is to try to be effective against a tough defense and also protect Jones from himself, quote-unquote?
1: I mean, look, I think we can all agree that Daniel Jones at this point in his career is not the quarterback that can overcome that many injuries on the offense against a top five defense on the road in a short week. You know, there, there's only a handful of quarterbacks, probably Tom Brady being one of them, that can have those kind of issues uh, with kind of the personnel that he's dealing with. So, uh, you know, you look at it. Jonathan Hillman led the team in carries with 11. Mm-hmm. Uh, Golden Tate had six catches. He, you know, we can touch on him in a second. I want to get your feedback on him. But, you know, his next two leading receivers were Darius Sleet and Rhett Ellison. When you're down that many players on offense, uh, especially as a rookie QB, I just, it, it's tough for Pat Shermer to really dial up the right plays and, and, and get creative. You know, you talk about some of the different jet sweeps and different formations you can do we don't really have the athleticism or the players to even execute those plays. So, you know, the, the idea of the game plan, I think actually was pretty sound. You know, you look at going into the third quarter the giants are only down a touchdown on the road, which Mm -hmm. to me was, was no small feat in and of itself. And, and, And so you're, you're kind of playing this game thinking, can we just keep it within a score? Can we keep it close? And then maybe strike late, Maybe maybe we find a way to have a drive that, that can last six, seven minutes in the fourth quarter and have that opportunity on the road to say, let's go for two and try to win
0: it now. That question, unlike maybe my criticisms of it in, in the previous week against Minnesota, that is more of a probing question that I'm asking when it comes to Pat Shermer. Because again, across the board, I think there's few coaches that are going to be able to come into a game like that with a lack of starters on offense and still be effective. So I'm not, I'm not going to beat him up too much on that. It, it, it's just some of the things. Like I remember later in the game when it was a third and long where they're still involved in this game, it's a third and nine and they try to set up a screen to Hilliman. And I'm not like again, that's the only running back you have, so I get that why you're going to him. But even in that situation, it's one of those things where I look at and I go, okay, so why don't you try to put Slayton into that situation and let him use his speed? I'm not I, I can't knock anybody too much. I think Tate showed up pretty well in this game. I think with a healthy Shepard and Ingram back, it's going to mean some pretty good good opportunities for Tate as well. But those are little nitpicky things, I guess I'll say, from the play-calling standpoint. The only other point I'll make is, touching back on Jones, all of a sudden you turned around and it was just like, whoa, interception. After some drives were looking like maybe they were slowly progressing. And at one point, because of the turnovers and the blocked punt, this game could have been 14-14 to well into the third quarter if you take away offense and special teams mistakes. And that's just really where I'm harping on how the thing that you want to see this team do is start to get balanced in all three phases of the game where you can rely on consistency because I think that can lead to wins for this team.
1: You know, I, I can agree with a lot of that. I think when we talk about Shermer, going back to, to your point earlier, I think he was in, in the fourth quarter you know, the, the giants were down two scores. It was 28, 14 with about seven or eight minutes to go. Fourth fourth and two. It's fourth and two on your own 33 yard line. And, you know, it felt like you were waving the white flag. They've put up, you know, while there was a defensive touchdown and, and the offense gave the Patriots some good field position. That is an opportunity that I couldn't believe it when I saw that we punted there. How or how can you look your players in the face and say, we're trying to win this game? If, you know, we need two yards, the Patriots are up two scores, there's seven minutes to go. By punting the ball, you're basically saying, we need to stop the Patriots essentially three times in a row in order to be back in this game, where you could kind of take it into your own hands and try to pick that up and try to move down the field and score. I think that is the one big criticism I had for Shermer is, In a game where you're probably behind the eight ball and and you're not expected to win, those are the types of risks that you take, especially down to touchdowns, right?
0: 100%. Earlier in the game, you're trying to make some things happen, but you're kind of playing this slightly conservative method on offense. And I I can appreciate that. And it almost felt like in the fourth quarter with a fourth and two, it's like now Shermer decided I want to protect Jones from himself and maybe not have him throw a fourth interception here trying to convert a fourth down. And at that point, you you couldn't be more more correct. Like, what message are you sending? Your defense is playing its butt off. You're saying you want to go for these wins. And yet, (laughs) you're saying, like, yeah, this game's already over at this stage. And I'll come back to it again. Take away the errors, which, (laughs) that's easy. But take away the special teams blunder. This is a 21-14 game at that point in the fourth quarter. And you really are in a position to have a chance to, to go after this one and maybe steal a win. The footnote about that as well for me, I was having a conversation with my, my other podcast co-host, Doug Norrie, where he said, and this is statistically proven, that go, you know going forward on fourth down is, is really what any team should be doing the entire game. And I know there's a, there's, a, there's a myriad of reasons not to do it, but he brought up specifically bad teams. You should be going forward on fourth down more often than not as well because you're only going to potentially fall behind over the course of a game. So if you can steal one at some point that becomes massively important. So Pat Sherman, this offense needs to pick its opportunity, show confidence, be aggressive and go for it on fourth and shorts, especially because you can catch a team on its heels. You can maybe all of a sudden turn the dynamic of the game and then give a defense that's improving a chance to maybe take over for you.
1: And that's exactly what was going through my mind is that, there's seven or eight minutes left in the game and you're punting it away and you're basically saying, all right, we're going to hope to get a three and out and get the ball back with five minutes to go and try to go down and score against them twice. Why not take the risk and and say, you know, this is a learning experience for Daniel Jones. You know, we're, we're, projected to lose this game we're in a bad spot if he Mm can pick up that first down it it could lead to better things down the road you know a little bit of a confidence builder if he goes down and you know picks up the fourth down they move the ball down the field and it may be overzealous to say that they could go score a touchdown but give your offense an opportunity and and put it on the defense and say guys you guys have been playing great you've given up 21 points on the defensive side to the patriots at home like give us one more stop and we have an opportunity to, to be in this game instead it seemed like he was punting it away saying, you know, this is kind of it and let's get ready for Arizona.
0: One more footnote before I do want to touch on the defense quickly is the other weird thing from a patch Shermer play calling standpoint or game strategy is you punt away on fourth and two with about eight minutes left. And then when the Patriots had the ball, you started using timeouts with I think five, four and a half minutes to go to try to save clock to get the ball back. <laughs> so you're, you're talking in contradiction to yourself because on the one hand, you're saying, yeah, that's kind of – it's over. And on the other hand, you're saying, well, maybe we can get back in this thing, down two scores with four minutes and no timeout. So that's the problem. That's something that really bothered me about it as well. And I think – it wasn't about winning the game. To your point, is it a little little much to say they're going to go down and score a touchdown at that point with how they perform? Maybe not. But even just getting a field goal and then maybe you get another possession, you grab another – just give the offense an opportunity to have some confidence as this game closes out.
1: Well, and as he's calling timeouts, I'm, I'm thinking to myself – Right. So you're calling timeouts. You're expecting to get the ball back and you're going to go down and try to score a touchdown. And there's going to be very little time left on the clock. Cause when you get the ball back with five minutes, try to move the ball down the field against the Patriots. What is there going to be two minutes left mm-hmm. minute and a half? Then, then what you're saying is, all right, it's onside kick time. So what Shermer was doing, which, which to me is inexplicable, is he's saying it's probably a better chance that we're going to get an onside kick, which this year, with the new, with all the new rules, where there's no running start, it has dramatically decreased uh, the ability for the kicking team to be able to recover it. If you had an op- opportunity to say, "Will Daniel Jones get us two yards, or will we recover an onside kick?" It, yeah. it seems like a no-brainer to me. Like that—that that was that was the most frustrating part. Is you don't let Daniel Jones go for it on fourth and two, then you call timeouts saying, "Well, if we score, we could get the onside kick." It, it, it like you said, it, it was speaking out of both sides of his mouth. That was frustrating. But at the end of the day, we both game we were going (laughs) to lose. We we both thought we were going to lose it. We're we're probably nitpicking a little bit. You know, they were down two scores at the, at that moment, but yeah, Yeah. I just wanted some positive momentum. Give the rookie quarterback a chance to do something. If he doesn't pick it up and they kick a field goal, you're going to lose the game anyway.
0: Yeah. And sometimes it's what you do, right? You you start to try to analyze different areas of a game that you kind of knew where the outcome was headed, but you want to still have strong takeaways and find areas to improve on. Before we wrap this one up, I do just want to say the big positive takeaway you can have is the defense. Dexter Lawrence looks like he is coming on strong. A lot of hype out of Giants camp just about how he's developing over the start of this season. Looks like he's legit, and that pick makes makes a ton of sense even more so now. Uh, Lorenzo Carter showed up in this game a bit more, which was nice. He's had a little bit of an injury bug at the start of the season. Golden, we already mentioned, looking really sharp. Uh, Baker seems like he's settling in a little bit. So, you know, a lot of positives for this defense. They they really stymied this offense that looked out of rhythm for the Patriots early in this game. And this is something that I think is at least a positive takeaway, building block for this team. I expect this Giants defense to, by the end of the year, be a top, you know, top 15, 12, maybe even a fringe top 10 defense potentially by the end of the year.
1: Wow. You are really... Really going out on a limb here. Top 10 well, defense. I'm listen, I'm saying French. are up 30 a game. They're, no, they're I know. Listen, I'm
0: i saying fringe, and, and there's a reality to that because at the end of this game in the fourth quarter, there was a, a, a Sony-Michelle run that after which, and we talked about this going into this game, how we thought, listen, the Patriots, Belichick loves the Giants. He'll probably take it easy. He really did take it easy at the end of the game, but he had a, a 25-yard run or whatever it was, got it down inside the 10, and the Patriots just came out and took a knee They easily could have done. I thought for sure, like, watch out. Tom Brady is going to do another draw and go for his third touchdown, rushing touchdown of the game, but I just – I do see positive building blocks. And listen, the net result of this team, say being a top 10, the top 15 defense, I'll I'll put it more there, is that you are taking on a average, you know, average improving Arizona Cardinals team. Detroit lions are a good offense, not a great offense. You know, just your schedule. You're going to take on Miami later in the season. The jets aren't going to be a high powered offense. You're going to play Washington again. So I just think that like, based on the, uh, the opponents you're going to take on as well, this should be a defense that as they improve potentially can improve their standings. And when you look at them statistically, they, they do play certain areas of the game. Well, and maybe even more importantly is this is me, you know, this is about my opinion on the offense. I think they can get better. And as they get better, it means that the defense is on the field less and they can give up less points. i, I I'll just, I'm probably going to shoot myself in the foot on that statement. So hopefully it no won't beat me up too hard on it.
1: I I think you're onto something. I think looking forward, that you know from here on out, the the schedule gets slightly easier. Um, I I think I could see the defense having some signs of life, and like you said, Golden has looked better. Dexter Lawrence has looked better. I know uh, going into the season, you had some serious issues with Dalvin Tomlinson. He he was making tackles. He was playing pretty well, and yep. I, I think it's taking some time uh, for Betcher to get his defense in order and yeah I mean look they gave up rough you know the defense gave up 28 points against the Patriots no shame in doing that a lot of other good defenses have done that before I you know I think the easiest way to wrap this up is to say I think there was an opportunity you know midway through the third quarter where you saw a flicker of hope and uh, I think we could have been a little bit more aggressive in the second half but at the end of the day you know they were 17 point underdogs they they put up a pretty good fight And, you know, it's on to Arizona.
0: Yep. Yeah, listen, difficult loss for the Giants against the New England Patriots. Maybe some takeaways for positivity on defense. And like you said, it's just, hey, you you look at the areas that feel positive and you move on from the negative and hopefully look to improve as we head into week seven against the Arizona Cardinals. One giant update. So coming off of the matchup against New England Patriots, some transactional moves for the New York football Giants. Nate Stupar is cut along with Jonathan Hilliman. They, they also do bring back Benny Fowler, and they, they sign a new running back to the squad in Buck Allen. From an injury standpoint, current roster, what information do you have there for us, Andy?
1: Yeah. So I think every giant fan was pretty excited. Uh, if any, I'm sure most of you follow, uh, Saquon on social media, on Twitter, he kind of uh, the man. <laughs> he, he kinda teased out. He said, I'll be back soon with a little emoji. And they had a, a, he had a video of him making the ridiculous cuts and moves that he does. So I think most giant fans, and I saw a couple of Daniel Jones hands off hand off t- today in practice uh, and and Saquon looked like he was cutting really well, so I expect him to be a full go. And what a huge boost that's going to be for the offense. And Daniel Jones, you know, they they felt pretty one dimensional last week, especially with Gallman hurt. They really could use someone like Saquon. So, <laughs> Any team could use someone like Saquon, but <laughs> right. especially the Giants right now. Um, you know, other good news is Evan Ingram. I think. Holding him out, I think if it was a game uh, to make the playoffs and the Giants were on the line, he may have tried to give it a go against the Patriots. But on a short week, you get a week and a half extra worth of time to make sure that you're feeling good. He was back in practice. He was uh, given some positive signs saying, I'm feeling pretty good. I, I think I'm ready to roll. Uh, I-, I think it's going to be a-, a huge addition to the Giant offense, just knowing uh, that we had limited weapons against the Patriots.
0: For sure. These are, like you said, I think some of these players are, it's hedging your bets. I mean, certainly with Saquon Barkley, right? He may have come back against the Patriots potentially if it was a make or break game for them. But the other big name, of course, is Sterling Shepard. He's still a little bit up in the air. Second concussion that he's had this season and long-term it's just a little bit concerning because he ha- he's had concussions earlier in his career as well. And I don't know what the NFL's policy is, but it seems like once you get the second one in the year, that timetable to return can get extended out a little bit. And I'm sure both the league and the team are going to go a little more precautious with him. So it's kind of a fingers crossed, but honestly, from, from a health standpoint, I'd rather him stay out because concussions are as everybody knows, it's no joke and you want players to be safe first and foremost. The dovetail that I'll add on to this one is that Hilleman was released and you noted that he actually made it through the waiver process and got signed back onto the Giants practice squad, which I'm really excited about. I'm always a fan of young players. With a cut of Stupar, that was the same thing I said early in the season. I know he was a special teams contributor, but what I want is young guys getting opportunities to make plays for, for this team. And sometimes I feel like you waste a spot with a guy that you know what he is. I think Hillman getting back on the practice squad is good for him. He's obviously a rookie. I thought that he did show a couple of positive things in the New England Patriots game. I'm just, I'm happy that he's still a member of the New York football giants.
1: Adam, it sounds like you're taking a shot at Jonathan Stewart is, is that what you're doing right now?
0: I, yeah, listen, we, we talked about that before too. I hated some of those moves. I mean, and it wasn't just that you sign that guy. It's what you sign him for. And, you go back to last year it's like who could you have kept on the roster what young player just maybe could have contributed who knows or maybe didn't because guess what net net result of jonathan uh, stewart was so there's really no reason to be wasting wasting roster spots on main cachet as a, as opposed to opportunities for guys that by the way are perfectly happy to be on the practice squad as well you're not putting a jonathan stewart on the practice squad at some point so th- these are moves that I, i'm always happy to see but we don't need to dwell on too long just A big thumbs up to Hilleman. Happy to see you're still a part of the team. Looking forward to how you can progress in your career.
1: And and I think, you know, relative uh, all things considered, I think this update is good. The Giants are getting some of their big playmakers back. And I think that's a perfect way to kind of talk about the Week 7 matchup against the Cardinals.
0: Certainly is, sir. And there's no better time to dive into the Week 7 matchup with the Arizona Cardinals and the optimistic outlook that yours truly has for it. One giant matchup.
1: So, Adam, what I think we've seen so far is we've seen, you know, one spectacular game, one solid game uh, in two wins from Daniel Jones. We saw uh, some rookie mistakes and a learning curve against the Vikings and the Patriots. Going into this game against the Cardinals, it, it's kind of a make or break uh, in terms of, of which way you think things are going to go. So talk to me. Do, do you think that – his challenges against the Vikings and the Patriots are just a symptom of playing two really good defenses. Do you, do you really see that teams are getting some film and some tape on him? Do you, do you think it was some depleted weapons on the outside? What are you thinking about Daniel Jones going into
0: Sunday? This is an interesting one, right? The hard part when an organization makes a move to a rookie quarterback and maybe makes it earlier than a lot of people anticipated is all of a sudden you're, you're trying to balance the excitement – Of Daniel Jones being the quarterback of the future for the Giants, and I think early returns have have proven that, yes, he can be that guy for them. And then trying not to get too low when he takes those rookie lumps in some of these games. I think the positive results that you saw early when he played against the Buccaneers and the Redskins, I think you can take those. You can put them in your pocket and feel good about them. The Vikings and Patriots games – those are, I'm going to say, outliers by the end of the year. I don't think that 55% completion or 48% completion, I don't think those are going to be the standard. The curiosity I am going to have is about moving the ball successfully, yardage, and then eliminating some of the mistakes, three interceptions against the Patriots, five interceptions over his last three games after a very clean start with 336 yards, two touchdowns against the Bucks. This, I think, upcoming – the Arizona Cardinal matchup, is going to be a good barometer for him because this is a defense in the Arizona Cardinals that are giving up 70% completion, almost 71% completion. They're allowing nearly 43% of third-down conversions, and they're allowing 54% opponent red zone scoring. So everything lines up here for Daniel Jones and the New York Giants offense, as we said, with returning offensive weapons to really put out a positive game and show that his value lies somewhere in the middle of what we've seen earlier. I will give you four numbers. Oh, four
1: okay. numbers. That and, and you can take them for what they're worth, are 38, 27, 23, and 33. Pass attempts? Do you know what those numbers are? Were those pass attempts? Those are the points... That the Cardinals have given up in their last four weeks. Oh, so while the Cardinals have looked a little bit dynamic in the last two weeks, Kyler Murray is starting to settle in. They're they're two and zero, you know, granted against the the lowly Bengals and mm-hmm. the the abomination that is the Falcons right now, man, I would hate to be a Falcons podcast right now. They're imploding as we speak, but, (laughs) but, but but when you look at it, you know, the, the Cardinal defense has gone against Russell Wilson and Matt Ryan. No, no slouches there, but also Kyle Allen, who, who has been okay. And you look at Andy Dalton, who is kind of one of those guys that's bottom of the bow right now. Pat Shermer should be looking at the playbook and saying, all plays are open. We want to get vertical. We want to look at getting back players like Evan Ingram. We want to get dynamic with Saquon Barkley out of the backfield. We can really open up the playbook and try try to put up some big points on the board.
0: 100%. And I know that going back to earlier in the podcast and talking about game reviews, the injuries play a huge factor. Saquon Barkley cures a lot of ills for this team. And you're, you know, you're probably right when you look at that, that uh, and I, I'm actually ashamed of myself because I had the Arizona schedule in front of me. So as you were saying those numbers, I could have easily put two and two together. But I do, I, I think that you're right. Carolina not necessarily they have obviously Christian McCaffrey but quarterbacks have had success against this defense I think that's going to be consistent for them throughout the year I don't know when uh, Patrick Peterson gets back for them that's going to change some factors I think it's a little bit later in the year or no he may be actually back right I think he may be back Do you know that off top of your head (laughs) I
1: I, I, I don't we'll have have to take a look at that yeah he had a a suspension
0: for I think substance abuse But that'd be a four-gamer. So I'll have to check in on that because that's going to play a factor in terms of what this defense will look like going forward. But I I do still think you're right. This is a defense that is going to give up points, and the offensive playbook should open up, and you should see the value of having Golden Tate with Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley. You're still missing a component in Sterling Shepard potentially, but this will really give you a better idea of how dynamic this offense can be because, unfortunately, to this point of the season, outside of the Tampa Bay game, I'll even say the Washington game, 24 points is nice, but that probably should be more. So when you take away those two wins, you, you showed what the Arizona Cardinals give up. The Giants have put up 17, 14, 10, 14. so to this point, they haven't shown a lot, even against questionable defenses like Washington. 24 points, I'd probably like to see them closer, you know, to 31 or 35 in that situation.
1: Well, you know, our, our podcast favorite Hillman did fumble the ball inside the five-yard line, and they did, yep. have, to set, you know, they did have to settle for a field goal at the 1-1 before uh, kicking a field goal in the Redskin game. So that could have easily been 34, 37 points. Um, to your point, Patrick Peterson did have a six-game suspension. Uh, he's back this week. That's a huge boost for ah, him. And of course he is. is. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: of course it couldn't be seven. It had to be six, right? I kind of want to talk about this at a larger scale rather than talk about the specifics against the Arizona Cardinals. As poorly as uh, the Giants have not necessarily played, but uh, the results have been the last two weeks, it is amazing that the Giants are one game out of first place. And awesome. Adam, Adam, when I look at the schedules, the Giants, let's just everyone chunks off the season into four game stretches. You know, when you look at the, the leaders in the NFC East, you look at the Cowboys, the Cowboys and the Eagles play Sunday night, right? So one of them is going to have a loss. Yep. Then if you look at the Cowboys schedule, the Cowboys get the Giants again, the Vikings and the Lions, and then they also follow up with the Cowboys and the, uh, the Patriots and the Bills. So they have a really tough stretch coming up where, you know, especially the way that they looked against the Jets. None of those games you'd sit there and say, all right, let's just chalk up a, a win for the Cowboys. The Cowboys could go through a six-game stretch, three and three, if not two and four, if not worse, if they implode, right? When, when you look at the Eagles, the Eagles are playing the Cowboys again, as I said, on Sunday night. Then they get the Bills, the Bears, and the Patriots. So the Eagles could very well go 0-4 in their next four games. This game is so huge for the Giants because of the schedule. These two you know, rivals that they have have ridiculously tough set schedules. If the Giants can get to their third win and start making moves, the Giants' schedule is playing the Cardinals. Then they play the Lions, who are competitive this year, but not necessarily someone that you automatically say would be a loss. And then they get the Cowboys, and then they get the Jets. I, I'm looking at this next four game stretch. The Giants could could walk out of that, you know, two and two, maybe yeah. even three one, and be right in the division. Right.
0: I agree with you, and this is funny. I, I feel like we're, I feel like we're doing a role reversal now because you're right when you talk about Dallas and the Eagles and where their schedules go down the rest of the the, the season. Well, if I say that maybe I think Dallas can lose to Detroit. It makes it harder for me to say that the, that the Giants can beat Detroit. You know, so I I think a lot of stuff will play out. The best benefit to the Giants is the current week and taking on Arizona while Dallas and Philadelphia play one another, because it means if you can win this game ahead of you right now, you're going to be tied for second in the division. And I do think you're right. You break it down into quarters of the season. Giants open up the first quarter, two and two. Now in the second quarter, They've dropped their first two games, but Arizona Detroit to finish off the first half of the season. If you go in and show some confidence against Arizona, I feel like with the way the defense is played, they should be able to put out a convincing performance. Then you turn your attention. It's a road game against Detroit. This is a game that if your offense can put up numbers, you should win. Then you wrap it up and you're saying, okay, we're now sitting here at four and four. We're at 500 Arizona, Detroit, If you can mark up wins there, then all of a sudden circling that Dallas and Jets game prior to Chicago and Green Bay, you're going to need those wins to pad yourself against those upcoming teams. So no matter which way you slice it, Arizona, Detroit, Dallas, and the Jets, I think that the Giants need to come out of this 3-1 and to have any opportunity. And I'll take the loss on the road at Detroit. If it means getting that home victory against Dallas, obviously division game. And
1: that stresses the importance of this Arizona game. I think if the Giants come out and they win this game against Arizona, it opens up the possibility. I mean, with with the schedules that both the Eagles and the Cowboys have, you know, nine and seven
0: may win this division,
1: eight and eight might win this division based on everyone beating each other up. So, well,
0: and you got to remember, too when you look at this division it has to be I feel like we will get beat up talking about the Giants as a possibility to win the division but that's your only route to the playoffs if, if, you're, if that's what your goal is for the Giants you're not getting there with the wild card spot with the way the NFC West and the NFC North are playing out right those teams you're going to have teams that are winning 10 plus games that are taking wild card positions so if you want to get there you've got to go the route of winning the division.
1: Well, and the Cowboys come out, and Dak Prescott looks like he's going to make $40 million a year, and then Dak Prescott looks like he's going to make $25 million a year. Yep. And you look at the Eagles, they look amazing, and they go into Lambeau, and they beat the Packers, and then they throw up a clunker against the Vikings. So I, I, I'm thinking of it as a, as a positive Giants fan. What's the path to get to the playoffs? It starts with Arizona just knowing that this division is still up in the air, based on the first six games of both the Cowboys and the
0: Eagles? 100%. And I want to dive into just what we think, where where I think we can look for some positives when we go into this game with Arizona. And just to cap off that talk, because I I do love looking at at the season in terms of chunks. So I would say we're capping off the second four-game stretch for the Giants. And realistically, let's not even worry about anything else, starting on 11-4 with Dallas. I think this is about going 500 in this four-game stretch, and that means starting with a win against Arizona and then looking at Detroit. We talked about them being susceptible on defense. Just to give you some of the stat lines, at home, Arizona is giving up nearly 300 yards per game defensively through the air. On the road, actually, they give up 260. So it's interesting that they're a little bit better away than they are at home. But to touch back on your Saquon Barkley point, you know, when he gets injured earlier in the season, it comes on a play where it is that dump off out of the backfield and let him try to scoot, make a man miss. And guess what? Linebackers, safety's coming down. They're going after him, and they're going after him low because he's nearly impossible to take down. So something that I do want to see from a scheme standpoint is, of course, finding a way to get the ball into his hands, but they do need to find a way to give him space and time to assess the defense. You can't have a linebacker spearing in at his calves and ankles as he's receiving that little pitch to the outside or as he's receiving that dump off out of the backfield.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm concerned about Saquon. But at the same time, it's it's not like he's had uh, the crazy injury concerns last year or, or this year. You know, he's, he's kind of a freak of nature. You know, they said this was going to be uh, – under the initial diagnosis, they said it was going to be eight weeks and here we are uh, halfway through that and he's about ready to go and he uh-huh. probably could have played against the, the Patriots. I, I think w- when we get worried about people diving at his legs and and all those type of things, I think we're, we're reading too much into it. You know, football is one of those fluky game of injuries. I, I think if he is cleared and he's full go, there's not a single play pass route, uh, you know, running play that he's not going to be able to make. I can revise my prediction later if they rule him out, but I'm expecting a big day from him.
0: No, listen. And again, let's talk about Arizona's defensive rankings against the run at home. They're giving up 127 yards and in a way they're giving up 145. So this one is juicy from a pure rushing standpoint for Barkley, let alone the other facets of this game. And, and, you're, and you're right. You really can't play quote unquote scared or be nervous about injuries. And maybe that's just, you know, the the, the fan in me not not, I was like I just don't want to see anybody don't touch him don't go near you know like I want to see him feel like he has a clean path when he's touching the ball and I will also say before we get into a little bit of the receivers and what we what we think can do and then I, I want to dive into Kyler Murray another rookie and we talked about him last week and where these guys rank out from the rookie QB standpoint the thing I want to touch on is again I'm gonna you know You've been, you were beating the drum of Sterling Shepard throughout the early part of the season. I'm beating the drum of a player on this offense, and it's about him needing to perform well. And that is Nate Soldier on the left side of this offensive line. Right now, this offensive line has been gelling and performing pretty well. The last couple of weeks are, are obviously hard matchups, but even at that, they still looked like they were fighting and being competitive in the trenches and giving the offense at least an opportunity to make plays. The guards have been playing very well. Jalapio struggled a little bit in one game, but overall has looked strong. Nate Soldier against high-end defensive edge rushers is a turnstile. And I need to see him come into this game and really make a statement about where he is right now in the hierarchy of left tackles in the league. Because guess what? You want to talk about long-term success, short-term success. He needs to be performing better than he has to this point of the season.
1: He does. And it's been a tough go for Nate since he's come to the Giants. And I think his contract has, you know, set the expectations at such a high level that he just can't perform to them. I think the, the Giants' uh, offensive line was in such shambles that we overpaid for a left tackle to make sure that we could have a competent left tackle there so I think when we get rid of the idea of how much his contract is is and how much he's getting paid as as one of the highest if not the high he was the highest at the time I think we need to settle into the idea of we just need a competent Nate Solder to be a guy that can help us win football games
0: and well, no, that's fine. That he- but that's, that's that's fine. Like, I, I, I can move past – I'm moving past the contract. You needed to get him. We had to uh, – you know, you need to get a left tackle. He was the one who was available. But, I'm, I, but what I am worried about is that this is a guy who isn't even playing av- – I mean, he's not playing average middle-of-the-road left tackle. He's playing back end of the of the league rankings in that regard. He is – okay, just by the way, uh, offensive snaps played. He's played 393. That's tied for 18th. Penalties, he's tied for 31st. So he is doing well there. I have to acknowledge that. And I'll acknowledge that he's only given up four sacks. So, you know, you can look at him and say sacks allowed is tied for third. So so there's some stats there that are effective and and can make him look maybe better than he has been. But if you're watching games week in, week out, you see how he's allowing the the pocket to collapse in on Jones or how the running game is unable to get traction early when he's getting just bowled over or turned around by defensive ends. See, I'm going to
1: give you a little bit of pushback. So, Nate got beat up last year, and deservedly so. He was that turnstile that you talked about before. Look at the defenses that the Giants have played so far this year, even with Eli in place. You had Dallas at Dallas, you know, to start the season. They played the Buffalo defense, which I think is underrated. They might be a top three defense in the entire league. Look Look what they did to Tom Brady, right? Then you talk about the Minnesota Viking defense. The Viking defense is probably a top five defense. And then you look at the Patriots. Everyone says that them in San Francisco might be one and two, depending on what your flavor is. Right. Mm-hmm. So out of the four games, they've played for very stout defenses. And, you know, in a few of those games, they've been far behind. They've been trailing and, and, Everyone knows that they've been one dimensional. Couple that with Saquon Barkley being out for the last few games, it's been tough for for Nate and and the offensive line in general because we've become so one dimensional. We're lo- we're we're down in games, we're losing. They know we need to pass, and he's kind of sitting there on an island against some of the best pass rushers in the league. So for for me, I, I'm I I think. In this type of game, if the Giants can score first, and it, it, it's very simple, every single team says that, but the Giants don't have the roster to, 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 to against a good defense, come from behind and, and, and score because our offensive line is still a work in progress. I, I'm not as, as well, uh out on as you are.
0: Yeah, I mean, my point more is that in this particular game, he needs to show up in these other matchups when he was getting beat up. I under, I don't expect him kind of not to get beat up a little bit. And you said like the injuries can play a factor and who's not behind him, but it's more just that I do need to see that in a game where a defense struggles against the run, where you have the best running back in the league, this is just one of those games where you need soldier to show you, Hey, I can, I can do it. I may not be able to do it against every team in the NFL. I may get matchups where I'm just, you know, a little overwhelmed, but. When we need a win, when we're saying we're two and four, we're still in the division, we can win this game and get right back in the mix. This is what I want to see Nate Soldier step up and kind of have a little bit of that leadership quality and something that the younger player to his right in Hernandez has, which is like just a little bit of edge, right? A little bit of that grit to his play where he plays a little angry. I'd like to just see that from Soldier in this one.
1: I, I agree with you. This is a put up or shut up game for Solder on on the left side because the the Cardinals are not as formidable as as the defenses that I talked about before. So you, I, I don't want to beat up on him too much uh, from from the past, but I have high expectations for him in this game against the Cardinals.
0: 100%, and that's maybe where I should have gone from the start is just I want to see a strong performance out of him because I think it's important for him and for the team. And now, as we just look as we look around the field here, I don't know if we need to go too much into the offensive side in terms of the wide receiver weapons. I think that expectations are Jones should be able to move this ball, and I feel like we'd say if the offense is going to run through Barkley and you expect the Golden Tates and Evan Ingrams to be able to make some big plays for them, even Darius Slayton over the top, you can let me know if you have a difference of opinion but where I'd like to go right now is is over to the defensive side and what we can expect against Kyler Murray and this Arizona offense.
1: Yeah, I I I am not expecting a big game from Tate. I mean, you know, the the game against the Patriots, he got that big play where it was kind of almost tipped as it was going into his hands and he ran for for a big touchdown and you know, I never like to say take that play away, but Everything right. else was relatively pedestrian, and it was the week before that. He he made one big play, and that's what the game of football is, is to make big plays. If, Pat, you know, if Patrick Peterson is shadowing Golden Tate, I don't see him having a big game. It does open up opportunities over the middle for Evan Ingram. It does open up the deep threat of Darius Slayton, who I think you and I both love his verticality and his ability to get down the field. So, yeah, yeah we – we we can we can move on from the giant offense. I think it is important to talk a little bit about Kyler Murray and and the Cardinals defense. Uh, Cardinals offense.
0: Right, so when we look over at this Cardinals offense, the fountain of youth drinking Larry Fitzgerald, you have the rookie quarterback and Kyler Murray. What are, what are your early thoughts on Kyler Murray? We touched on him a couple podcasts ago when we kind of went that broad stroke. Where do we think QBs rank? And maybe unfortunately for our conversation, Daniel Jones has had a couple of hiccups since we, since we talked about that, but that doesn't change our overall opinion, I don't think either way. But where do you stand on Kyler Murray as you've seen Arizona start to take some, some at least positive steps forward winning. And like you said, the, the downward spiral Atlanta Falcons drop one this past week uh, to to Arizona. What do you see from this offense right now, as we head into this matchup? Uh,
1: I think Kyler is starting to get into a little bit of a groove. I mean, like, like we talked about before, the, the Bengals are a little bit of a mess. They're they're still trying to be competitive. They were competitive against the Ravens this week, but uh, the Cardinals took care of them uh, on the road, and that, that's a big step for any rookie QB is to win on the road, and he, and he did that against the Bengals. Kyler is looking good. I, his ability to extend plays and get out of the pocket is unique. There's only a handful of people that can do that in this league. And that concerns me because we don't have the lockdown defenders on the outside to be able to hold players for very long. You know, Mm -hmm. we talked about it earlier in the season. Janoris Jenkins said, I can't sit here for 10 seconds and guard an NFL wide receiver. And Larry Fitzgerald is a pro. He is a guy that will make tough catches and, while he doesn't have the burst that he has, his hands have never left him, and his possession ability is still there. So I am very concerned for this defense. While we showed flashes against uh, the Patriots of kind of bend, don't break a little bit, you know, holding them the first quarter and, and, and playing well, I'm, I'm concerned knowing that he has this, this explosiveness. I could, I could see him get, you know, running a little wild.
0: Yeah. And, you know, the last, even in losses, the last couple of weeks have been positive from the defensive front standpoint. Dexter Lawrence has looked solid. Uh, Tomlinson, like you said, you know, you're seeing some good things from this defense and the front pressure, but when you play a mobile quarterback, it's like a double-edged sword because you get the pressure up the middle and you flush him out of the pocket, but and then he's on the move. And, and Kyler Murray has shown control in terms of, not getting, you know, he doesn't automatically take off. He's still keeping his eyes downfield. Height doesn't seem to be any issue for him. And potentially, I believe uh, Christian Kirk is going to be coming back this week as well. He's the young wide receiver for the Cardinals. And I think when you have him and Larry Fitzgerald on the field at the same time, it presents a lot of issues for a defense that certainly has struggled at times to stick with them. I think a positive for the Giants defensively is that you're going to be able to put Baker well, I don't want to say that because th- that's – I mean, <laughs> I-, I was about to be like, you could put Baker <laughs> on Larry Fitzgerald and feel good about that. And I immediately was like no, – your- I, I, w- like, I wouldn't say that, Adam. Don't go no, too far. No, no. But I, I, what I more what I think is, you know, Larry Fitzgerald is not a speed receiver. So even if it is Janoris Jenkins that matches up against him, this is – and I'm not saying it's a good matchup. It's a better situation for the Giants' secondary – to be going up against guys that aren't necessarily speed players, because that is something that we lack outside of Peppers on the back end. We don't have a lot of speed necessarily. Baker is a physical guy, and you have Jenkins, who is a veteran presence and can stick with guys, but to your point, can't stick with guys for 10 seconds downfield.
1: Well, I, I was going to say my my bigger problem with what this matchup is going to face is you have to spy kyler murray in almost any long down situation right mm-hmm. he, you have to keep at least a linebacker in to make sure to keep him honest so he just can't get out and run wild and you know the injuries that we've had our linebacking play hasn't been great you know Connolly getting hurt was tough because he was showing real good promise early in the year you know we have lorenzo carter and and we've got ogletree uh I think that's going to be something that they're going to look to exploit. Is even with someone spying Kyler Murray, he has the ability to
0: make big plays. And that is kind of my biggest concern. He's actually shown consistency throughout these games, hasn't been too high or too low. Every game that he's played in, you know, QB rating 75, 90, 73, 77, 87, this big blow of 128. But I don't think he's going to make too many big errors and that's going to be more. My curiosity is how can this defense impact the game? Cause I, I don't think you can necessarily rely on turnovers from him. Last two games has been hundred percent clean. And even the Seattle game, just one interception there. So trying to find different ways to get pressure and contain your point about spying on them with a linebacker is going to play a huge factor. And I do wonder, we saw it last week against new England, peppers coming down and playing a bit of a backer role at times. How are they going to try to deploy that? Because I can make the case that bringing peppers into the box as the spy might make a a lot more sense. And then you're going to have to say in the secondary, you're out on a bit of an Island here because this is the best way that we can contain the, QB running game of the Cardinals and any of those over the tops where we might get beat, it's going to be up to the linebackers to hang with maybe a tight end.
1: Yeah, exactly. That you hit the nail on the head there. That's my biggest concern is Peppers is probably the best person to spy. Yet when you leave him, that means you're leaving the cornerbacks that kind of out on an island. You're the linebackers are dropping potentially in zone coverage or, you know, taking one of the tight ends. I'm, I'm a little worried. I I can see this being a scenario where the Cardinals could put up some points and do some damage just based on kind of the matchup with personnel. Kyler Murray is explosive and we don't have those explosive players on defense that uh, can necessarily counteract or counterbalance, you know, the way that he plays the game.
0: And there is a player that I'll point to on the Giants' side of the bowl You know, a lot of the things that you read about is how the Giants have to kind of be committed to these young players and and them getting bigger chunks of playing time. And we've seen Baker, a little bit of struggles, but it looks like he's starting to settle into his role. Dexter Lawrence is starting to show that he can be an impact player in his rookie season. I actually look at a guy like, like Ballantyne and think that maybe there should just start to be a little bit of a rotation for him, getting some playing time in the secondary And I I don't know what this – I don't know what uh, Julian Love can be at the safety position, but I think it's worth taking a look at him and just starting to get those two players rolled into the secondary because, one, you don't have a ton of depth, and, two – Through this point of the season, I think we can say we know what Antoine Bethea has been and you know, middle-of-the-road kind of guy. He's not going to make any terrible plays, but he's also not going to change the game for you. And I think it's maybe worth looking at these young players and seeing if you get a spark in the way that you've seen it from Lorenzo Carter in his second year, the way that you've seen it from uh Dexter Lawrence so I I I think Ballantyne is really the guy that I look at as possibly being someone who could come in and contribute because he's just shown a lot of athleticism on the field he looks like he has that skill set to maybe pop in on a third on a third wide receiver or even on a second wide receiver depending on matchup maybe he looks like a better play than Baker just for one or two plays here or there throughout the game are you buying into any of that?
1: See, and that's the challenge is you bring Ballantyne in and you start coming into nickel packages. And we haven't even talked about David Johnson or Edmonds, who has looked great the last couple of weeks. They they have a potent running game. Yeah. And so that's why they're a tough matchup for us or tough matchup for anyone right now is because they do have – playmakers in the backfield where if you're going to play some spy stuff or you're going to bring in some defensive backs as opposed to stacking the line they can make you pay so this is a concerning matchup I'm I am worried about the defense and I can see this being a little bit of a shootout especially you know I know people sometimes say uh, don't worry about weather but uh, it's October in the Meadowlands, and it's yeah. just going to be 68 degrees, almost 70 degrees and relatively nice. I'd love to get Kyler Murray uh, at, at Giant Stadium with 25-mile-an-hour winds and it being negative to wind chill. I think that would <laughs> probably be a little bit of a better matchup
0: for us in, in nice weather. I, I am a little concerned when you talk about two teams that are in a quote unquote rebuilding or trying to develop young talent, it's really hard to cover these games in a very finite way because you don't know who's going to step up. But I think the best thing we can do now is give the people what they want. And that's dive into the over-unders, the spread and what some of the talking heads around the league are saying going into the week seven matchup with the Arizona Cardinals. One giant prediction.
1: So Adam, when we talk about Vegas, because they run everything in terms of sports betting, I'm going to hit you with the line on the game and the over-under. Are you ready straight, for
0: Andy. it? Yep. Get, uh, hit me with it. I'm ready.
1: Okay. So. I just banged my elbow. Sorry. I'm fine. <laughs> well – you may bang your head against the wall, depending on how you feel about this line. But <laughs> the, the opening line uh, after the Giants-Patriots game and after the Cardinals, just, you know, no injuries, was the Giants favored by two and a half and the mm-hmm. over-under at 49. Mm. Now, as we've gotten further into the week, the line has kind of moved from two and a half to three for the Giants. It's moved up to 49 and a half at a lot of Vegas sportsbooks. So it's interesting. There's a couple people that are betting the Giants a little bit. There's a couple of people betting the over a little bit. It's slowly starting to settle back at Giants minus three and the over under at 49. Mm. Talk to me. Talk to me, Adam.
0: I think that Giants giving three, this probably makes sense. It's like what we talked about. It's a fairly even matchup, two offenses that can move the ball, two defenses that are maybe struggling. Uh, In terms of the over-under being around 49, uh, that probably adds up. I I wouldn't be surprised if this even goes a little bit higher potentially. I think it hinges on what the Giants' defense can do because I honestly think that that's the only variable – to either one of these lines is if the Giants defense comes out and plays well and is able to hold the Arizona Cardinals to, you know, under 20, 21 points or less, then I think these lines shift a little bit. And I could see the Giants covering the spread while potentially – I think probably covering the over as well. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, this makes sense to me. I think that this is where both these teams are, and probably based on the Arizona Cardinals win this past week, combined with the Giants' loss, has made this closer than it would have been prior to that last matchup. Is that you know, would you have seen the Giants being probably favored even more so in this one prior to the to the week six games?
1: Well, Vegas doesn't necessarily care about who wins and who loses previous games. They have massive towers built on the backs of people like me and you making predictions that we think are going to happen that don't play out. But when I I, I saw the line minus three, I kind of said to myself, okay, I kind of get it. And I've gone back and forth where I've said, well, wow, like the Cardinals have looked good. They've been the better team over the last two weeks. They're 2-0. and The Giants are 0-2 mm-hmm. over the last two weeks. I, I thought it would be a little closer. But then my, my spidey senses of Vegas kind of kicked in. And basically what Vegas is saying is at a neutral site, this game would be a pickup. So yeah. they're basically saying, which team do you like better? They're giving the Giants the three points for being at home in the Meadowlands. Well, it you, does concern, you know, no,
0: to no. I was gonna say what's weird is that the we we talked about this thing previously, where like if Saquon Barkley starts, it won't move this line because that's not the way it works. But I don't see how it couldn't move the line.
1: It, it's it's because they think that they're gonna get similar production, not necessarily the breakaway plays, which they can't predict as as a Vegas thing, like. They can't predict that Saquon's going to break one for 75, but what they can say is over the course of the game, we think he's going to get 30 more yards than the next guy, which mm-hmm. may lead to a little bit better field position, which may lead to a field goal or two because it, it's so hard. You can't you can't think like these dynamic playmakers are going to change things one way or another. Uh, you know, I, I look at the line and I say it, it's probably fair. You know, we have a rookie QB going on the road. In the Meadowlands, which is never an easy place to play, especially if the wind is kicking up a little bit. And I kind of think it's fair.
0: Yeah, I, I know. I, again, a I, I pick really makes a ton of sense for me, and I think the equalizer as well is good, is that it's two rookie quarterbacks. You know, I mean, for Daniel Jones, we still don't know. You know Eli Manning, one of his greatest attributes was being able to play at the Meadowlands in the wind and being able to adjust to those things. And Jones is, you know, relatively new to that experience as well, and this is his first time playing in getting into the – well, it won't be that cold, but as we head into the fall season and the colder months. So, we, you know, two rookie quarterbacks. I think this game should be relatively neck-and-neck the 40, 49 over-under, where do you sit on that? Do you? I mean, how do you see that? Uh, we don't have to go into our prediction just yet, but do you think that this is two teams offensively? You're talking about 24 – you know, that's 24-plus points apiece.
1: I've gone back and forth on this in my head, and as any better knows, you love betting the over. No one wants to root for less points. That, right. that is never <laughs> – you're never sitting on your couch having a cocktail saying, man, I wish they punt, right? Like this just doesn't happen mm-hmm. in any like fans or betting's mind. And so for me, you know, I think that number is probably right. There's a scenario that I could see where, you know, Kyler Murray gets flustered, throws an interception or two. Giants could dead the ball or even conversely, like Daniel Jones struggles a little bit, you know, Kyler Murray makes a couple of athletic plays. They're up a couple of big scores and it's not a shootout. So, I get why the line is where it is, and, and I think it's pretty fair. I wouldn't sit here and say I've got a lock on either side, but I I think I've got a handle on, on where we should go or what we should do.
0: All right. So before we we're we're dancing on that line, as we love to do every week before we get into our predictions. But prior to that, let's just take a look at the fantasy football side of things. Who are you looking at in this one? Uh, for either team, a lot of guys coming back for the Giants, as we said let's start with the Giants offense maybe I'll cover Arizona who do you look for on the Giants to have a big day and I'm going to go ahead and tell you right now you can't say Saquon Barkley everybody knows that
1: yeah I mean let's just kind of put him to the side he's an automatic start in any fantasy league I think we know that if Evan Ingram is healthy he is a top five tight end to start to so I kind of want to get away from him I think you know, admittedly, with Sterling Shepard out and Golden Tate in the lineup, potentially against Pastor Peterson, I would not be starting Golden Tate if I had him in, uh, in my lineup. I know he's going to get some targets. I know he's going to get some looks. But to me, I, I know we said it earlier this year, and we may not have been correct. But, man, I, if you could get Darius Slayton on the cheap, I think this is the type of game where you have Patrick Peterson on one side, the Cardinals have been showing uh, that they give up points in chunks. He is a guy that can get down the field. And if we can get just a little bit of protection from your guy, Nate Solder on the left side, Mm -hmm. I could see him having a big game. I think he is an absolute flyer, especially for a wide receiver number three or someone in your, in your flex position. He's, he's cheap. He's available on the waiver wire and, most people outside of Giant fans would not even think about it.
0: Slayton is. If you have a, a gap in your roster at the flex position and you're just doing a pick this can be a blow-up game for him. I don't think this is a long-term thing necessarily for Slayton, but without Shepard on the field, I think you're going to have some deep threat opportunities if my boy Nate Soldier can just hold on a little bit. Uh, flipping over to the other side of the ball for the Arizona Cardinals, me personally – uh, Christian Kirk is questionable right now if he's back I think you can plug him right in and start him I think Larry Fitzgerald is going to be a guy that's going to get consistent numbers for you may not blow the top off of anything but you can see him getting five six seven catches for you know 70 yards kind of, not, not on like a Sterling Shepard kind of kind of line We're just consistent numbers throughout the game he's been showing it all year anybody that you look at do you look at the running backs is David Johnson an easy play in this one for you
1: Yeah, if David Johnson's healthy, he's another must start. But Edmonds has been amazing for the Cardinals. Uh, You know, even in a timeshare, he has looked explosive. You know, he scored a touchdown last week. He uh, put over 10 fantasy points uh, up on the board in in most fantasy leagues and standard fantasy formats. I think that he's actually a flex play in, in fantasy this week, just given the idea that. We both are talking about the over/under line. We think that uh, there's going to be some points in this game. You know, I kind of lean on starting him if if he's on my roster, and and you're looking for a guy in your flex that uh, may be able to get you 15 or 20 points. I think Edmonds is is a good play.
0: Yeah, he's a guy who even, you know, last week, five for 34, two targets, caught both balls for 33, had the receiving touchdown. So certainly he's a guy that's getting enough looks that in a game where you expect to maybe see some points get scored, uh, he may be worth taking that risk on in your flex. Not a risk. I think it's a fairly low risk to put into your flex spot. The other one that I want to ask you about is, and hold on, Andy's got a little...
1: No, I I was going to turn it over to prediction
0: time. Mm -hmm. So... Andy is suspicious that I'm just waiting for him and hedging my bets. So, Which sounds about right. Yeah, that sounds no, about no, right. Uh, sorry, I should have also said Andy is correctly suspicious that I'm hedging my bets and trying to go second <laughs> on these things. Uh, listen, we talked about the line. It, it, I think it's going to be a tight matchup. I actually think that for a Giants football team that has been a little bit up and down in terms of performances, a rookie quarterback who has fluctuated, I think it's harder to call these games one way or the other. But for me personally, I'm only focusing on the Arizona Cardinals defense and what I think we can do against them. It will be about Peterson and how effective he is maybe against Golden Tate. And if we're able to have enough time to find other outlets and then also can we get creative and make sure that the touches that Barkley is going to get are going to be quality ones so he's able to get into space and really showcase his power, his speed, all the dynamic attributes that this, this beautiful man has? I'm not going to dance around the fire any longer. I'm going for – I think this is a Giants victory, first and foremost. This, should, this has to be a win, and that's half the reason why I'm doing it. It's because it's important to the Giants' season. I think the matchup makes sense for us. I think it's a get-back game for, for Daniel Jones to show another quality outing as a rookie quarterback. With the over/under at 49, I'm going to go 28. I'm going to go. I'll say 28, 21. New York Football Giants. I think it's going to be close, but I also think that this is a game that maybe the Giants are up in the fourth quarter and Arizona is trying to chase a little bit, and maybe plays into our our defense's ability to to impact the game and, and bring home a victory where the offense leads the way.
1: Adam, that's not a bad that's not a bad pick. You know what? You, kudos to you. I think I think you are circling the wagons a little bit uh, on this one. Got to do it. So so I've gone back and forth on this. Uh, being a diehard Giant fan, you know we haven't talked about our history a little bit, but you know season tickets have been in my family for over fifty years. I'm a I'm a diehard through and through. Mm-hmm. When I look at this game, this line never received an
0: invitation to a single game from Andy Mack. Which I just want you guys to know, we podcast together every week. We formed a bond. Our, our my girlfriend, his wife, became very close years ago. We went out for a lovely meal to introduce each other, and we hit it off. We're we're, we're kids, we're kindred spirits. But no, but I don't go to games. It's not a big deal.
1: Adam, you'll get you'll get an invite to the tailgate, whether or not there's a ticket available. <laughs> you <know. laughs> Being diehard fans, it's a little tough to just give up tickets here or there. No, I hear you. Uh, so so the way that I look at it as a diehard Giant fan is I've been and I've seen this scenario before. It looks like a Giants win. It looks like it's going to be over. It looks like there's going to be a ton of points. And I've I've seen it, and then all of a sudden it's the second quarter and it's 3-3 three, three with two minutes to go, right? Yeah. And, and, and it's frustrating and it's maddening, and you say – how on earth is this happening? I could not have predicted this.
0: It goes both ways where you just feel like all indications that you want to have about something can often be at the very least the, the, you know, the lump in the throat game for the giants. And and listen, I I think at times this one is going to feel that way.
1: I agree. And with that said, I am still taking the giants and I feel really Good about it, and that's what makes me really nervous about it. We uh, should has that giant fan. So I like the over. I like I like Kyler Murray and Daniel Jones with their weapons in, in uh, good conditions at the Meadowlands. Yep. I am going to go with uh, a Giants win, thirty three to twenty seven. I think it's going to be <gasps> a shootout. If you're going to bet anything, I think doing a little bit of a teaser where you bet two bets and you get six points on both sides of the bet, the giant betting the giants and betting the over are, it seems like a pretty good bet. If you can move the line down to 43 and you can get the giants getting three points, I think 43 you're, you're asking for both teams to put up over 20. And I think the way the defenses have shown out so far, I don't think that's very far fetched. So, that is, that is my pick if, uh, if you're looking for a gambling pick in this entire game. That tease is probably the one that I would circle, but I'm still hoping for a shootout and a Giants win.
0: Yeah, that's actually a nice one. I think, I think that, that's a nice – the teaser probably will be good, is a good recommendation because I, I, I think you're spot on with where the point totals are all going to end up at the end of this one. Unfortunately, I'm in Indonesia, so I don't get access to any of the betting sites. So all I can do is, is just think about the money I would put on it and then be excited or disappointed depending on whether or not I would have won or lost. It's all It's all fantasy for me on this end of things. And that's where we leave it, folks. Two New York football Giants fans excited to be calling for New York football Giants victories.
1: Adam, I am excited about this game. As we talked about before, this is a big game for the Giants schedule. If they can get this win, we can come back next week and talk a little bit more about what it looks like for the Giants. If they can beat the Lions, all of a sudden we're talking maybe things aren't too far-fetched.
0: Listen, mid- midpoint of the season is just around the corner. These are crucial matchups. And at the very least, you still get to be fully invested in the New York football Giants for week number seven because so much hinges on it. The division is open. We're looking to bounce back. We're playing a susceptible team in the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, this is what we need. Just for the love of God, don't let us down. I'm
1: excited that we have relevant Giants football into October when, at the beginning of the season, we didn't know what we were going to see. So I'm excited for this game. I'm saying, over in the Giants, let's do this.
0: Let's tie a bow on this bad boy. One giant outro. Well, that's it, friends. We've done it all. We, we've done the dance of who we think's going to win. We talked about last week's debacle against the Patriots. We've given you some fantasy insights. And, and, hey, man, we're just doing a heck of a job. But the reality is, is it doesn't end when the podcast ends. As we always tell you, Follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, One Giant Podcast. We want to hear from you. Andy has gotten some great feedback on our episodes, and we're tweaking it. We're adjusting it. So so keep getting after us. We love hearing from the fan base. Anything that you want to tell the fans about, Andy?
1: No, I appreciate everyone kind of messaging us on social media and letting us know what they want to hear. They want to hear a little bit more betting. They want to hear a little bit more in depth on some of the schemes that we're talking about, which why we talk about nickels and spies and things like that i am excited about the future of the giants but i'm more excited about the podcast so let's hopefully get a win against the cardinals so that we can both feel good about our picks and on to the Detroit lions after
0: that you know it there's only one thing left to say this has been one giant podcast